Greetings, my friends and listeners all over the world. Here we go with the April 14, 2020 episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. On your radio, we're coming to you on WGPL, WPCE, and WBXB on your AM dial here in Southern Virginia and Northern North Carolina. We're also heard on the internet at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And if you would like to hear this or any other broadcast, you can find them on podcasts. You can search C.D. Hodges on iTunes or any podcast player on your smart device. You'll find Marriage and Family Clinic. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick and ultimately help you repair, grow, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. I hope and pray you're maintaining in a good way as we endure the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, This coronavirus has seriously interrupted our way of life and we don't really know how long it's going to last or how many lives it will affect, no matter what anybody says about it. Uh, I I know we're all anxious to get over it and get back to the way things were, but I want to caution you there. I want to challenge us not to settle for going back to the way things were. It was the way things were that got us into the mess that we're in. The way things were is not good enough. And I, for one, I'm in the camp that thinks part of the reason we're in the situation we're in is because of our collective relationship with God. And the further we move from God, the more chaotic life becomes. And this is the gist of Proverbs 14 and 34, which says, Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. And I mean this for every individual, every agency, every organization, every religious faction, every non-religion, whether you're atheist, agnostic, Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, whatever the case may be, whoever you are, I'm saying to you that righteousness That's moral and spiritual integrity. And I'm talking to every level of government also. Righteousness, that means moral and spiritual integrity along with virtuous character. That causes a nation to stand out and lead the way and be blessed by God. While sin, that is turning from God and his ways, makes a nation look shameful and disgraceful. So let's not go back to where we were That's going away from God. Let's go forward and move towards God. And you know, I can't help but be mesmerized also by how many senior clergy members have left us as a result of the coronavirus. You know, it makes no difference what your title is. If you're human, you're subject to sickness. And I'm just mesmerized by how many senior clergy have left us as a result of this virus. Last night or or over the weekend... My friend and my brother, Bishop Gerald Glenn, out of Virginia, joined the number of those who transitioned from this life to the next. And I'm going to miss my brother dearly. And I'm praying for his wife. I'm praying for his family. I'm praying for his church. They need us with them. They need us beside them in this hour of grief. If you know people who have left here. Don't worry about their condition, their circumstances. Don't worry about what they were doing, how they got there. Listen, people who are still here need your prayers, need your compassion. Let's give it to them. And uh, let me get into this week's presentation so I can get off my soapbox here. 
Now that we've gone through a few weeks dealing with sibling rivalry, I want to discuss a point that exacerbates sibling rivalry if we fail to plan adequately, and that is personal finance. Yes, sibling rivalry is over, but I tell you something that makes sibling rivalry even worse if we don't plan adequately to deal with our financial lives. Now, before you say that this is marriage and family clinic and what does personal finances have to do with anything, listen to this. Statistics say that money is at the root of a whole lot of marital conflict. And indeed, money is at the root of many, many divorces. And I'm not going to get any more specific than that. You can look it up yourself. I won't get any more specific than that because the meaning of the stats is that money conflict in relationships is so significant that this broadcast, this program wouldn't be legit without discussing the subject at length. So we're going to talk about personal finances again. And several months ago, I did a short series on finances. Uh, and there I discussed biblical money, guiding principles, simple guiding principles for money. I talked about your relationship to money and other areas of finances. And I want to reiterate that particular point right there. You do have a relationship with your money. And the manner in which you handle your money is the indicator as to whether that relationship is healthy or unhealthy. So I want to go over this subject again because there are two relationships in our lives that are of critical importance. Whenever I talk about relationship, you always hear me start off with the single most important relationship being the relationship that we have with God. And that is the single most important relationship we will ever have. And it deserves all the time and attention that it can get. And everything we do ought to go to build and solidify and enhance that particular relationship. And another critical relationship is our relationship with our money, i.e. how we handle our personal finances. And, and here's why that's so important. In October 2018, a uh, study was done and it was updated in March 2019, but CNBC reported that the Schwartz Center for Economic Policy Analysis conducted a study and found that about 40% of middle class Americans will retire into poverty or near poverty by age 65. Folks, that's almost half of the middle class that will retire in or retire right at the poverty level. That's especially alarming because if most or uh, almost half of middle class America will retire in or retire right at the poverty level, then you know good and well that number rises significantly for African Americans. Excuse me. And let me repeat that. If almost half of middle-class America is going to retire in or at the poverty level by age 6 or 5, then that number is going to rise significantly for African Americans. And I don't know of anybody who would voluntarily retire in poverty. I don't know anybody who would voluntarily lose in life where their finances are concerned. It's just too much at stake. Your family's at stake. Your future is at stake. Education, your health, your retirement. Indeed, your life is at stake where your finances are concerned. 
So nobody really means to be unprepared when unfortunate things happen. Nobody really means to be unprepared for the future. Nobody really means to be unprepared and unable to send their kids to college. Nobody really means to be unprepared and unable to fund their health care or fund their retirement. Nobody wants to be unable to meet these challenges. Nobody gets up in the morning and says to themselves, I want to be broke when I'm old, or I don't want to put my children through college. So what happens then? What happens? Why is it that statistics say that nearly half, nearly half of middle-class American and even more African Americans will retire in poverty at age 65? Well, I think part of it goes back to that old adage, If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Listen carefully to what that means. If you do not take positive steps to plan to succeed at any venture, any undertaking, or any goal, you are actually taking a positive step in a plan to fail at that venture, that undertaking, or that goal. It's not enough to say, it's my goal. It's not enough to say, I want to do it. I dream about doing it. It's my vision to do it. If you do not take positive steps to plan to succeed at it, failing to take a positive step to plan it is the same as planning to fail at it. It's as simple as this. If you don't make a positive plan to obtain the degree when you start college, you won't graduate with that degree. Likewise, if you do not make a positive plan to win or succeed at personal finances, you will fail. If you don't take control of your money, If you don't impose a positive plan on your personal finances, you're going to fail. You're going to be counted in that nearly half of middle class Americans. If you're middle class, you're going to be counted in the number that retires in poverty by the time they're age 65. And if you're not middle class, if you happen to be a lower class or whatever that may be, You know what I'm saying. If you're not controlling your finances, if you're not getting ready for the future, the future is going to be cold and unfriendly to you. Failing at personal finances means your children don't go to college. Your medical bills don't get paid. You never buy a house. You never take a vacation. You never get to retire because you can't afford to retire. And on top of all of that, failing at personal finances mean that if you're the head of a household, you just may die and leave your family broke and not cared for. And that's another important facet of personal finances. The failure here. The failure here. If you fail, people who depend on you won't be taken care of. I hope you're hearing me here. I hope you're hearing me here. 
If you want to win in the personal financial game, which is a key to your life, that's actually the key to your life, then you need to get busy doing some things right now. If you're going to win, and you know, I, I've heard tell and I believe in myself, most financial professionals that say finances, it takes money. Yes, you got to handle your money right. But the key to this thing is it's 90% mental and 10% action. You have to get your mind ready to win at finances. You need to be taught. We need to be trained. We need to be schooled. I'm still trying to win at the game myself. You can't be flipping nonchalant about your finances. You can't handle your financial situation all willy-nilly and expect to be cared for when you're a little older in the winter years of life. If you want to win in a personal finance game that's key to your life, then you need to get busy doing some things. First of all, first of all, you need to work on your net worth. And you'd be surprised at the number of people who don't really understand what net worth means. That's how much money you have when you subtract your liabilities from your assets. That's your net worth. You need to learn how to be more efficient and get more value for the money that you have. And you need to do these things. You need to do the things that are necessary to improve your overall financial picture. There's three things you need to start working on immediately. If you need a lesson tonight, there it is. Three things you need to start working on immediately. Work on your net worth. Increase your net worth. Learn how to be more efficient with the money that you already have. Learn how to get more value out of the money that you already have. Why in the world would you spend four, five, six bucks for a cup of coffee and that's not in your financial repertoire? You can't handle that. Learn how to be more efficient. And overall, just do the things that are necessary to improve your financial picture. And if you don't know how to do it, get some help. Go online, read, get some help from someone, talk with someone whose financial picture looks a lot better than yours. Allow them to mentor you. Some of the things that you may need to do may be painful and uncomfortable, but when you look at the alternative, poverty, leaving your family uncovered, when you look at what's at stake, your family, then doing those painful, uncomfortable things will be well worth it. One of the first things I want, to, uh, I want you to get fixed in your mind is pay yourself first. This is a critical component of any financial plan. Every financial planner will tell you this. Every money manager will tell you this. Every financial guru will tell you this. Pay yourself first. It doesn't make any sense to work a job, then pay the government in taxes, pay credit card bills that you've run up, pay all kinds of obligations, go broke, paying for ballet and football and sports and so forth and so on for your children. You pay all of that, but you don't have any savings, you don't have any investment, no emergency fund, not preparing for retirement. You have to get this burned in your mind. Pay yourself first. No matter what financial plan you choose, every financial plan is founded on pay yourself first. And everything I'm going to say, it's scriptural, it's biblical, it's Bible. Even if I don't tell you a verse in the scripture, 
a chapter or a book of the Bible. It's Bible. And when I say pay yourself first, I'm covering tithes and offering also. And I won't engage in a debate of whether or not tithing is for today. I believe the Bible prescribes tithing for all time. I tithe. If you don't tithe, that's between you and God. I'm not going to try to convince you to do it or not to do it. Uh, I know it blesses me and my family. It has taken good care of us. But what I'm telling you here is that giving your tithes and your offering is like paying yourself. Why? Because God has a track record of taking care of givers. God has a track record of taking care of people who obey his word. And here's something that may open your eyes. You're going to need to listen to this closely because I'm going to talk some numbers here. It, it, it would be really nice if I could show you this, but you can't see uh, a chart or anything on the radio or on a podcast. So I, I want you to listen closely. I'm going to tell you some numbers here. Uh, 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 don't have a PowerPoint or anything, but check this out. Most people work about 40 years before retiring. <coughs> and in 40 years, you'll earn a whole lot of money. If you were to earn just a small amount of $20,000 a year, not much money at all, $20,000 a year, if you work 40 years, that's $800,000. Let's double that. If you earn $40,000 a year and you work 40 years, 40 years is actually not that long. But if you earn $40,000 a year and you work 40 years, you would accumulate $1.6 million. Not accumulate, let me back up. You would earn $1.6 million. Now, that's not the most money in the world, but it's about $1.5 million more than most people retire with. Not only that, but if I put $1.6 million in your hands today, you could probably get yourself some help and come up with a plan to make it last for the next 30 or 40 years. So $40,000 is not the biggest paycheck in the world, not by a long shot. But look at how much you would accumulate over 40 years or how much you would earn over a 40-year span, $1.6 million. Again, if I put that in front of you, if I put $1.6 million in your hand, 40 years worth of salary, you could probably be set for life. So why do so many people earn even more but retire broke? Here's the deal. It's not important how much you make that counts. It's important how much you keep that counts. It's not how much you make that counts. What are you keeping? You can make a million dollars a year. But if you spend a million five, a million two, or even a million one, you broke. You are broke. It's not how much you make. It's how much you keep that matters. And this is why some people can get a raise, get a new job, or whatever the case may be, and still be broke. They don't understand making more money is not the greatest determinant in your financial situation. How you handle the money you have is the greatest determinant in your financial situation. As we go through this personal finance series, I want to help as many of us as possible learn to manage our finances more efficiently so that we can keep more, accumulate more, and be prepared to meet the challenges of the future.
When it comes to saving money and accumulating wealth, there's usually a combination of factors that work for most people. Those factors combined include time, consistency, and interest. I'm just going to use an old model here. It's, it's, uh, it's just a tried and true model here. When it comes to getting ready for your future, you need time, consistency, and interest. Uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to add some things to it. But for the time being, I want you to get this in your mind. You're working by time, consistency, and interest. Uh, uh, this is just a plan. In other words, you have a certain amount of money that you put in a certain vehicle or a certain place every month. This particular model works best because if you put your money on automatic, if you can put your money on automatic, if you can set a monthly payment from your bank to a desired money fund or something like that, you put that amount of money in that place every month for a certain length of time and you get a certain interest rate on that money, the outcome is that you'll amass a certain amount of money at a determined point in the future. All I'm saying is that put money up every month. Just discipline yourself to do it. Put money up every month. Put it on automatic allotments or whatever, automatic payments from your bank to an account. Put money up. That's the consistency every month. Do it over a significant period of time. That's the time element. And then get the good interest rate, the best interest rate you can. That's the combination to making it for most people. That's how most people are going to make it. Now, unless you come up with an app or something that's going to make you several million dollars overnight in a very short period of time, or unless you inherit uh, several millions of dollars or something like that, uh, that's going to be it for you. That's going to be the plan for you. You're going to have to use your money wisely and efficiently over an extended period of time. An extended period of time, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. Discipline yourself to that and you'll be ready for your future. Not only that, but you'll be ready to pass on something to your succeeding generations. Here's some other truths I would like for you to know here. When we talk about time, consistency, and interest, putting money up over an extended period of time, getting the right interest rate, making it automatic. When we talk about that, there are some other truths that we can draw out of that. And here you go. The time part is critical. The time part is critical. The longer you have to save and invest, the better you can do. The longer you have to do it. Saving and investing for 30 years, you're going to do better than if you save and invest for 10 years. For the most part, for 99% of us, the longer you have to save and invest, the better you can do. Also, the earlier you start, the less expensive it is. The longer you have to do it and the earlier you start, the better off you're going to be. So hear me there. There's that time, interest, and consistency. Let's say you want to have $100,000 at age 65. Uh, uh, that's not much money. That is not much money. And, and I'll say that, I'll probably say this again, but I'm not saying this is your target. I just want to use a nice round number. Let's say you want to have $100,000 at age 65. If you could get 12% interest on that, it's possible. 
You got to be smart. You got to get some help. But if you can get 12% interest and you started on that 100 grand goal at age 25, it will cost you $10.21 a month. Now, if you can get 12% interest and you wait until you're age 45 to reach that 100 grand goal by age 65, it's going to cost you $108.71 a month. If you wait until you are 55, it's going to cost you a whopping $446.36 a month to get $100,000 by the time you're 65, and that's 12% interest. Again, the moral of the story is the earlier you start, the less expensive it's going to be to reach your goal. And the longer you have to reach your goal, the earlier you start reaching your goal, the more likely you are to reach your goal. Listen, when we see skyscrapers or other large buildings, we enjoy their appearance on the outside or whatever the case may be, but there's a lot going on underneath that outer shell. What we don't see is the rebar that's inside the concrete holding the building up. The building is built around a concrete frame, but in, and inside the concrete, there's steel rods in there called rebar. Rebar reinforces the concrete so that it can stand tension. So it wraps itself around the, uh, 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 the rebar and it's able to stand. What I'm telling you is that interest acts like rebar. Interest rates make all the difference in the world. Your money can wrap itself around re uh, interest rates and it'll grow. It will grow. It's not rocket science to see that the higher the interest rate, the more money you have. The higher the interest rate you can get, the more your money is going to grow. That's not rocket science at all. But there's another angle to interest, and that's compound interest. Compound interest means you earn interest on your principal and your interest. Your principal is the money that you put in from your pocket every month. That's your principal. The interest is the money that another system will give to you. Compound interest means that there's money going to the money you put in and the money that the other system gives to you. That's the meaning of compound interest. Compound interest means that your money grows by this exponential effect. This exponential effect. Compound interest means that you may not see supersized growth in the early years, but 15, 20, and especially 30 years down the road, the growth picks up really extremely fast. Compound is so effective that it's even been called the magic of compound interest, the secret of compound interest. And where compound interest is concerned, I want you to get this term right here. That's what a lot of financial specialists call the rule of 72. The rule of 72. The rule of 72 means that 72 divided by your interest rate equals the number of years it's going to take for your money to double. That's the number of years it's going to take for your money to double. So 72, let's say you were getting that 12% interest rate that we talked about a moment ago. Then 72 divided by 12 is going to be, I should have take, picked an easier number. 
Let's say you're getting 10%. 72 divided by 10% interest means that your money is going to double in 7.2 years. Please understand, I meant that to be humorous. I was trying to insert a little humor here. But again, 72 divided by the interest rate equals the number of years required for your money to double. So if you think you're accomplishing something by having your money rest in a bank or in a CD or in a, a money market fund these days, you're actually losing money because you're not even keeping up with inflation. You are losing money, allowing your money to rest in the bank. I call it lazy money. That's actually lazy money. So, again, what I'm trying to tell you here, what I'm trying to tell you is that the earlier you start, the better chance your money has to grow. The earlier you start, the less expensive it's going to be. The earlier you start, the longer you have to work the money game, the more likely it's going to be that you're going to reach your financial goals. But you're going to have to challenge your current thinking. You've got to get some things in your mind. And one thing you definitely have to get in your mind, you got to pay yourself first. You have to pay yourself first. And there's one thing that I like what Dave Ramsey says often that comes in handy for a lot of us. If you live like nobody else now, you can live like nobody else later. And if you give like nobody else now, you can give like nobody else later. And I should have said that when I was talking about giving or when I was talking about uh, being able to meet challenges. Too many of us, not only are we not prepared to meet future challenges, but we're not prepared to help anybody outside of our family. Wouldn't you like to be able to help someone other than your family? Hey, listen, I'm just about out of time here. I am out of time, as a matter of fact. Thank you for joining us on Marriage and Family Clinic this week. Again, if you want to hear this or any other uh, podcast or broadcast, you can uh, check us out on iTunes or look into any podcast player. Search for me, C.D. Hodges. C.D. Hodges, Marriage and Family Clinic. Hey, again, if, uh, if we said anything important to you, email me. Let me hear from you. C.D. Hodges at Hotmail.com or look me up on Facebook. Inbox me, Bishop Carl Hodges. Let me know if this means anything to you. Let me know if you have questions. We're going to deal with finances for a few weeks. Let me know if we can deal with something. Let me know if I'm wasting your time. We're here to help you. Hey, I'm all out of time, but thanks again for joining with us. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, remember, you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.